Hi, my name's Roy Thompson. I'm Head of Financial Services here at Carpenter Box Financial Advisors. Our team supported people with retirement planning for a good number of years. We've got a vast range of experience and we'd like to use this podcast to share our experiences to help individuals make good planning choices around retirement. The Retirement Gym Podcast by Carpenter Box Financial Advisors. Hi, my name's Roy Thompson. I head up Carpenter Box Financial Advisors. I'd like to introduce you to the Retirement Gym. Uh, This is the podcast where we aim to look at how people deal with their finances in the lead up to retirement and perhaps how they start to spend their money in early retirement. Today, I was joined by Nick Lacey, who's head of sales at Insignis Cash Solutions. One of the things that I've found over the course of the last 18 months or so is as interest rates have increased, how important cash and making the best choices around the cash that you might have on deposits has become. Uh, There is a huge variable between people leaving money just on a bank building society account where they earn very little, maybe half a percent interest, and some of the offerings that are out there in the marketplace now. Insignis Cash Solutions aims to help people make those positive choices, which can be so important as part of retirement. Hopefully, you'll enjoy the conversation with Nick. So hi Nick, thanks very much for joining me on the Retirement Gym podcast. But, uh, I think uh, the purpose of getting you in, I really, I think, is, is around kind of cash and how that can implement on uh, people's retirement plans. Probably in my view, about 18 months or so ago, people had money in savings, money in their pension. It really did very little for them. It was a suitable place to have money for kind of very short-term needs, but past that, it, it offered very little things have changed quite a bit and as head of sales at Insignis Cash Solutions I suspect you've seen quite a dramatic change in how your business has shaped over the course of the last year is that right? Absolutely and first off Roy thanks very much indeed for inviting me into this and including me in this um, this podcast today. Um, tremendous change in people's attitudes towards cash it, it has moved very much from the forgotten asset class into coming to the forefront of people's minds yeah and not only the client but also the financial advisors hence where we end up ending here today so the reason for that is is many fold it's largely driven by obviously interest rates changing yes but therefore also the appetite for banks to actually want to get deposits so a client historically will have had money sitting in their current account they might have had a savings account with a high street bank but earning very, very little interest. Whereas now, there are banks out there called the challenger banks that present a very good, viable option for a client to actually get some significant returns on their savings. Let's put that statement in context a little bit. You can now get 4% or more for a one-year fixed term, and you can get not far off 4% for a six-month horizon. So people are not looking at having to make very, very long-term commitments so they can still have a, a, a realm of flexibility around their money, yeah. which always gives someone a level of comfort that they can still, it's still there and get access to it, but it's now actually working for them. Yeah, and I, and I think that's it. So, you know, at a time, 2022, I guess we see that, you know, the stock market has had a difficult time through 2022. We know, don't we, from the sands of time that, you know, the stock market will always have difficult years and sometimes it will have good years. That's the nature of the beast. Uh, but but cash is obviously slow and steady. You, you you mentioned there 
the um, you know rates now, which could be upside of four percent, which is actually quite meaningful. So I've got a hundred thousand, and I can generate four thousand pounds worth of interest. You know, if I'm a retiree, that has a meaningful impact on the amount of money I can I can go and spend. So. What are you typically seeing? Are you seeing people tie their money up for a period of time, one year you reference, or are you finding that people still prefer kind of easily accessible accounts, or is there a, a, a big mix? So it's a very good question, and it's it's normally the, the, the first hurdle we have to get over with someone who is attracted by the potential of the returns that are now available in cash. But as I referenced in my first answer, it's they don't want to be restricted from having access to that money. So what we will often see is a client looking to have a very varied mix of products within their portfolio that yeah. they administer through us. So they have some money on e- e- instant access. I mean, we, we term it easy access for, for timing reasons, but instant access where you can still get just over 3% for that money yeah. when you're getting next to zero in a bank account. Yeah. And then they'll have a little bit more on a, say a short-term notice horizon. Then they'll have some more on six months. But they'll still put maybe 25% of a total cash portfolio into a one-year fix because they don't need all of their cash immediately. Yeah. But that really gives a very good um, blended return. Yeah. Um, but still leaves the flexibility and all everything in the middle of it as well. So they're not faced with having to lock it away to get those significant returns. There's a lot of very good options in the medium term horizon as well. Yeah, and that's great. And the benefit of your service, just to, to clarify for the listeners here, is that you can have that blended approach, you can design that blended approach to suit your needs. So if you had a quantum of money, you could have more on shorter term if you thought you were going to spend it in the short term, or more on slightly longer term if you were confident that you could lock it away for a period of time. Exactly. If you've got cash within your pension, for example, um, you may be in a position where you can draw down on it, but you, d- you know you don't want to spend it, you know you don't need it, but you can take it out. If you, You're you not going to put that into a stock market. So you referenced in your, in your last question, and I was actually running these numbers this morning for another exercise that I'm doing. So the last 12 months, the FTSE's down 6% compared yeah. to the S&P being down 9 or 10%. FTSE's obviously benefited from a high energy weighting, so yeah. that's why the, the performance is relatively slightly better. But you compare a 6% negative for the FTSE with a 4% positive return that we can get in cash, there's that relative investment. So the actual crux of what we do, the detail about what we do and why our service is is the easy way for a client to do all these things I've been talking about, is the fact that we give the client the ability to have access to every single bank on our panel, which is 40 banks. Wow, yeah. Every single one of them, the deposit is eligible for FSCS protection. Yes. So you get up to £85,000 per bank, yep. per depositor. Um, but the client only ever goes through an account opening process within sickness once. Yeah. Because all of those banks on our panel, when they sign a contract with us, they outsource all of their regulatory requirements from the PRA. So the, the KYC and the anti-money laundering yep. is all outsourced to Insignis. We do the hard work. The client has to do absolutely nothing once they've opened the account. Yeah. So whether they have a mix of 10 banks in their portfolio with that mix of maturities that we talked about, and then after 12 months they roll it all and do the same thing again with a different 10 banks, they still don't have to sign another form. They don't have to fill out any other information whatsoever because they've done all the work at the outset with us, 
and we administer it for them and we are regulated by the FCA to do we're authorised by the FCA to do so yeah and that's uh, practically speaking I know for clients that I've had in this service you know they've really benefited from that you know it's not just that you get a good rate for your deposit on day one it's when that matures that you get an opportunity to to get a, another really positive rate and yes certainly we've seen you know again thinking of people in retirement they might have an idea about what money they're going to spend in the next year and you know, they would keep that on fairly easy access, but they, they might have some money that they're pretty confident they won't spend for a year or two, and therefore they can tie it up with the intent to spend it in a year or two's time, but with the benefit of getting a decent rate in the, in the interim. So really, really useful for, for people who are in retirement who tend to plan how they're going to spend their money maybe year by year and uh, think about how they can draw that from there from their pension. So so you referenced there, you used the word challenger banks, which is sort of a much used in the in the news now. And I, you know, my kind of take on that is that clients get a little bit nervous around words like challenger bank. Would you be able to just describe what you mean by that uh, and why you would have confidence in using those institutions still and perhaps some of the nervousness that clients have you know, can be misplaced as long as you do it in a controlled manner. Yeah, absolutely, and it's obviously a, a, a very good question for, for this conversation. So the term cha challenger banks derives from the fact that the banks are there to challenge the status quo of the high street. So the high street bank that has a branch network, they have thousands of current accounts, hundreds of thousands of current accounts, therefore they are awash with cash. So even if you go to the high street bank to take out a loan or a mortgage, they're not incentivized to then offer a decent rate of interest return for a saver because they've already got the cash sitting there. Mm. So the banks that challenge that status quo are given this, this title challenger, but who are these banks? These are banks that are still licensed by the PRA in the yeah. same way that Barclays and HSBC and Santander and Lloyds are. They're still regulated by the FCA in exactly the same way as those big ones are. But what they do is they are specialist lenders in their own field. So we have banks that are specialist lenders to the, the medical industry, the dental industry in particular. We have specialist lenders in agriculture. We have banks that only lend to SMEs. Yeah. There's one of our banks that was started by the guy who still runs it today, who started his own bank, because when he had his own SME, he couldn't get funding from one of the high street banks. Yeah. So he built his own bank. Yeah. Um, so it's those kind of banks. The common attitude can be from a potential depositor, well, I've never heard of them, so why should I trust them? Yeah, that's what I'm getting to. Exactly. Now. So it's they, they they are all very viable institutions in their own specific spheres that they operate, but because the government has the financial services compensation scheme, yeah. any depositor can rest assured that their deposit is a hundred percent protected. Yeah. up to £85,000 per bank. Yeah. So if the bank is licensed by the PRA, which they are, regulated by the FCA, there's no difference to the way they're governed as the way that the high street banks that everybody knows are. Yeah. But these are the ones, because they operate in particular spheres, specialist areas of operation, these are the ones that offer the premium rates for savers because they have active loan books. Yes. So they consequently they need to gather the deposits to satisfy the loan book, and they haven't got the high street branch network networks that allow them to capture them. And what you might get from that is ultimately a more competitive rate. If you're a saver, 
uh, they need to attract your money in, so they offer you a more uh, a more competitive rate. So if you, if you bundle that up, well, can I get a more competitive rate? Yes. Have I got some concerns about, you know, maybe they've been a smaller bank than one of the large high street banks, or maybe they are, but they're still credit worthy, they still have a governance process that's in place that means their you know, consumer is well protected, and there is a fail safe that as long as you don't invest more than 85,000 in any one of these institutions per individual, um, that then you are, you know, there's a secondary insurance, if you like, through the financial services compensation scheme. Is that, is that sort of a fair summary? It's it's a very, very fair summary. Yeah. Um, and exactly the way that the, the, a de- potential depositor should look to approach it. Yeah. Um, because the, these are the people who are offering those, those premium rates. Yeah. And we also, as in Cygnus, get access to um, preferential rates um, than even a depositor could potentially get by going direct. Okay. And there's a couple of examples I can think of currently um, where we are getting a rate that's more than double what the, uh, one of the banks is offering to direct savers okay. um, for a one-year fix, and that's because of the operational efficiencies I've mentioned earlier in one of my answers, because we've done all the work for the bank. Yeah. So we've done all of their onboarding requirements, we've done all of their compliance work. The bank has to do no work yeah. whatsoever when we bring them the deposit, and so therefore they give us a greater return because they haven't got associated costs with the deposit. Okay, so we, we uh, somebody was thinking about retirement, saving for retirement, just at the start of retirement. What, what we're offering here is access through one easy administration point, to a great number of banks with some competitive interest rates to help that individual's money work a, a little bit harder. Something I'm interested in, I don't know if you've had any feedback on this, is you know, if we go back a, a couple of years, interest rates very low, people would have to have quite significant savings before they have tax implications on the money that they have in their savings accounts. Obviously with interest rates going up, if we're getting three, four percent, some of these returns that you've referenced, and at the same time, the government reducing the allowances before you or savings have to pay tax. Have you started to see, or do you think that the revenue are likely to be more interested in savings accounts moving forward and, and any guidance on what people should be doing around that? We are no tax experts ourselves, obviously. We help a client administer the interest they receive very, very efficiently through our platform. Um, They can readily see what interest has been paid to them by a bank on what date. All interest is paid gross, so there is potentially a tax implication for them. But we always say in all literature that a client should seek their own tax advice as to at what level they should be declaring it or not. But um, we majority of our clients do do tax returns. Yeah. So so what? Uh, and I suppose where where I'm going with this is that there are many savers out there who perhaps are not returning um, self-assessment forms to HMRC, but as interest has gone up and where it is now paid gross, there is a liability that's attached to those and people should be squaring away their own affairs and looking to advise the revenue of the savings that they're getting or the interest they're getting on savings as time goes by. Uh, absolutely, because it's not 
much more than 12 months ago that the best one year fixed rate was 1%. Uh, and we're now at four and a half percent. So a hundred thousand pounds, a client's going to earn four and a half thousand pounds interest. That, that's it. it. It's a it's a lot more meaningful than, than perhaps it was. And yeah, I, I think I have a worry that people who have savings will carry sweetly on, and then the revenue will at some point uh, get a little bit interested in it. So if you're unsure, then yes, you should be speaking to uh, an, an accountant uh, or completing a self assessment and declaring the interest that you're getting. Very interestingly, from an advisory perspective, a financial advisory perspective, what it does mean is planning, um, you know, using your tax allowances, very simple allowances such as ISAs, using your pension allowances, etc., are very, very useful and are becoming more important to ensure that you you mitigate the, you know, the tax that might fall due on some of these sort of savings accounts, etc. It's, it's mitigating tax. It's mit- mitigating the returns on. Um, investments, yeah, as we talked about stock market performances already, you only have to look at any mainstream media you pick up every day at the moment, it's it's inflation, yeah. it's cost of living, there's there's no soft veg in the, in the supermarkets, it's all the costs associated with, with everything that can be offset by getting these, these better returns for your yeah. savings, but that comes with its implications potentially for, for taxes you say. And, and if you, if you, you know, on interest rates, how they will evolve over the course of, um, you know, the next year, say, and, and what we might see in the um, deposit savings space, do you, do you feel that, you know, if interest rates carry on going up, will, will, will deposit savings carry on going up, or have we seen them plateau, or what, what's your sort of gut feel? Of course, we don't know for sure, but what's a... Also, perhaps a bit of insight. I'll polish the crystal ball. Yeah. Um, so the common consensus, um, if you look back six months before the aggressive rises in November, December, and then early February, um, common consensus was that base rate would probably peak somewhere in the region of five to maybe even five and a quarter percent later this year, as other factors have come largely under control a little bit. Um, that expectation has tempered a little now. I think common consensus now is for base rate to peak at four and a half versus the current four percent, and then start to taper off again. As we already see, if you look at the um, annuity curve, if you look at the UK gilt curve, rates are peaking very much in the two-year horizon. Our current best rates for one and two-year fixes are already off the top from where they were. Um, yeah. Marginally, four and a half percent, maybe down to four point three. Yeah. Um, but I think the the best stat I can give you in answer to your question is we historically, as a business, and we've been doing this for nearly eight years now. Um, we, as a business, have always had somewhere in the region of one to one and a half percent premium over base rate yeah. for one year fixed terms. Yeah. So. 12 months ago, 15 months ago, when base rates were 10 basis points, we had one-year fixes around one and a quarter. Yeah. When they were at 3%, we had four and a half, but those rates have stayed there as, as bases continue to climb. So when if base settles to where the common consensus is now, which is back to somewhere in the region of two and a half to 3%, yeah. um, probably towards the end of 2025, then I would still be expecting us to have access, as in Cygnus, to one-year fixes in the region of four percent or more. Yeah, uh, and that's what I was driving to. You know, my uh, what I see with consumers coming in and asking questions is they say, "Well, I'll wait to I'll wait to do a deposit, or I'll wait to make my savings because interest rates are going to go up." What What you're saying is the savings market, whilst the Bank of England base rate might be going up, the savings market has actually, if anything, come off a little bit in the last month or so. 
Uh, and my understanding of that is that's because the banks are, you know, they're not lending as much, and the, the, so they don't need to be quite as competitive um, as perhaps they did six six months or so ago. I don't know if that's a fair statement. It's a very fair statement and extremely accurate. So the only direct correlation there is to base rate is the cost of borrowing. Yeah. And as you said at the beginning of your your last statement there. Um, that people are waiting to borrow money. Yeah. Um, they are taking a wait and see attitude because consensus is that rates will start to come down again. So because the banks are not lending money, mm. they don't need to satisfy their loan book. Mm. So that's why we are seeing savings rates coming off the top a little bit. Yeah. It's marginal because banks are taking a, a very good firm view, yeah. but by and large banks are extremely well funded yeah. um, in, the, in, their lo- in their loan books, so they don't, they don't need the savings rates. Yeah. So that's why savings rates have not gone up any further, and in fact have tapered off since around December time. Mm. I think it, yes, you know, Bank of England might go up a little bit more, but you know, our view would be if you're planning your finances, it's very difficult to time the market, so you know, I think it, it's worth just taking a step view of what, what's available at that point in time and making best best use of your money as a kind of footnote from a planning perspective you know we would think people who are in retirement they should rightfully have access to money for two to two to three years worth of outgoings that's a general house view that we have and in our view that should be kept in cash or near cash assets um, so your service fits in perfectly with that sort of arrangement if someone wants 30,000 a year to live on you know we'd be saying they might want Sixty, ninety thousand, just reasonably available to them, and a and a profile using your service would work quite well in that scenario. So, um, and do you foresee um, sort of any, you know, let's say the interest rates start coming down? You probably answered pretty much answered it there. You might see that rates on savings would come off a little bit, but not significantly, based on that sort of historic average. Yeah. And a lot of the, the answer to this question, Roy, is driven by the, the type of banks that we work with and the, the way they're quite, they're, they're extremely proactive with it, the, with the way they trade their books. So they, they will be adjusting based on the, the, their need for funding. Yeah. Um, as against, okay, base rate is there, so I need to be at this. There's no, there's no hard and fast formula for them. Um, so as base rates come down, I think you'll see the shorter dated products that we have access to will taper off yeah. um, because a bank doesn't get any credit from the regulator for instant access cash for example so yes. um, that, that's not a great source of funding for them. Um, the, I think if you're looking at a, a shorter dated notice um, you, we don't have much more than around three and a half percent for that now, and that's still so that's already um, markedly below base rate. Yeah. Um, so I think the longer term cash will still attract um, the decent premiums, yeah. because it gives a bank better visibility over what what how they can um, yeah. assess their their loans going forward. So the longer dated products will all always attract the premium. But yes, I think you you would normally expect to see the shorter dated stuff taper off a little bit. Yeah. And do you ever see a time when cash will outstrip inflation? I mean, it's interesting to me that interest rates have gone up and people are enjoying the benefit. We, we spoke earlier there about having 100,000 and the, you, know, you can get three or 4,000 pounds more than you could have done a year ago if you'd prepared to tie your money up uh, for, for, for a year. 
but but actually interestingly it's further behind inflation than it was you know perhaps a year and a half ago so it's an interesting dynamic do, do you ever see inflation getting back to the targets of the central banks yes well we live in a strange world it's difficult to imagine just at this point in time but um it's amazing how short-term memories can be sometimes and two or three years time maybe inflation's gone back and people have forgotten that it was at 10% or, or whatever it might have been but uh, I, I think the, the inflation story personally it, yes, it, it, I think pretty confident it will fall away as the course, the course of the year goes on but it, it's pretty difficult to see it getting back to 2% in the foreseeable future would be my view I think I think 2% is a nice to have target it's a, it's a, it's a big stick isn't it to, yes. to, to, to govern them with but I like you I don't see it ever getting back really to, yeah, to that so, so what's, what's the new norm for the world yeah, today it, 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 exactly that but uh, so yeah so so if we were to summarise this Nick I, I guess what you're saying is uh, you know cash is an important part of, uh, of someone's asset base personally speaking as you move into retirement I think it's a very important part of someone's asset base thinking about how you use your money that's in cash you could drive quite a big at difference in outcomes. So if you do very little and leave it in the bank and you get half a percent, um, whereas if we put some money away in something such as the service that you offer and get 4%, that can make a meaningful difference. So take an active involvement in the cash that you, you, you own and make some proactive investment decisions around that. If you can use a service such as yourself where you can spread that money between a number of different banking providers to get financial service compensation scheme and a positive rate if we get that protection and a positive rate that's a that's a really good thing and thinking about the compliance i guess which is the you know the notion of these accounts pay money gross so you have got sort of tax on there uh, and not waiting for a higher bank of england interest rate that's that's not necessarily going to give you a better savings rate uh, there's not a you know there's not a direct correlation between those two things absolutely spot on with everything you've said and if you have any cash whether it be obviously we're predominantly talking about the retirement stage client today but if anybody has cash that cash should be made to work appropriately and if it's just left sitting there it's not doing the right thing and therefore because of inflation because of the cost of living cash on a daily basis left in a bank account is in effect, depreciating on a daily basis. Yeah, uh, agreed. And uh, so, yeah, that, that, that's, in, in my mind, they're the key things around cash that we should all be considering. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come along and speak a little bit about the service that, that you guys offer, which, you know, I know from personal experience and, and, and working with you has had a meaning, meaningful impact on a good number of clients. So uh, I appreciate your time today and uh, thanks for coming along. As I said at the outset, thanks very much for inviting me. It's a, it's a pleasure to have been included. Lovely. Thank you, Nick. Cheers, Roy. Take care. Thanks very much for listening to the Retirement Gym podcast. If there's anything in today's recording that gives rise to a question in your own mind, please feel free to contact us here at Carpenter Box Financial Advisors. We can be reached on Carpenter Box fa.com or alternatively if you wanted to call 01903 534 587 thanks very much if you require any further information please contact us at carpenterboxfa.com our award-winning team is here to help we've got many years experience and we'll be happy to assist you with your matters